how liberal can a person be and still be a believer? That's what we're going to talk about today on Conversations with a Calvinist, which begins right now. Welcome back to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. And I am joined today by the not-yet-Calvinist Matthew Henson and the man whose knee is currently touching mine, Richard Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> we are not in the studio today. We are literally in my home studio, which is kind of only made for one person. Yes. But we are together and so we're, we're, we're shoulder to this, shoulder. This we're going to call it an intimate setting. Yes, yes. Yes. But not, not by design. It's out of uh-huh. necessity because out in the woods where I live, the internet is terrible. Yes. So, uh-huh. so you will, you will no longer be seeing Richard on zoom. He and I will either be doing the shows that he attends uh, at our church studio, which mm-hmm. is a nice setup, or you'll be seeing him here in the home studio, which if I can get a longer uh, a network cable, or if I can get my friend who does networking, who is literally right there to come <laughs> and run that. me a network, uh, to my, to another room in my house, we could do this somewhere else. Okay. That's what we need to do. Matthew, can you do that? Sure can. All right. I know nobody cares about what we're talking about, but I said today <laughs> is going to be unscripted, uh-huh. unscripted conversation with a Calvinist. I'm the Calvinist. This guy beside me is a Calvinist and you are on your way. So we have, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. He's on the fence. Anyway, I'll say uh, this though: we are having a, a conversation with. I, I'll, I'll say it like this: today's conversation was is with two deacons, hmm. because Richard is a deacon. That's right at, at Greg Abel's Baptist Church, and Matthew is a recently uh, made deacon at Switzerland mm-hmm. Community Church. So that's right. We're uh, hurrah! We're, we're, yeah, yeah, hurrah! We're, we're we're so, and we were supposed to have a fourth. We were supposed to have our friend Austin, but una- he was unable to be with us tonight. Hopefully, he'll be on the program again soon. I was going to be two pastors and two deacons, but now it's just going to be just me and two deacons. So we're talking today, and the reason why I wanted to get to the group together is we're talking about a recent video that was published, and the subject matter of the video. <clears throat> was progressive Christianity has a conversation with conservative Christianity. And they had three, if I remember correctly, uh, three people that represented progressive Christianity and three people who represented conservative Christianity. They had three, what looked like bar stools Mm -hmm. and they would, they would pronounce the topic. Like I think the first topic was uh, uh, homosexuals should be able to be married in the church mm-hmm. was that the first you guys the first the one was one. the first one was uh regarding the uh the two major political parties in the united states is one of them more christ-centered than the other it was a very oh, okay. odd question I'm sorry. yeah 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 sorry. yeah very very odd um but they would come up they would sit on the bar stools and i'm gonna play a clip from that so you can kind of get the feeling of what's there and uh we'll throw that clip in and you'll be able to see what it looks like well, I do believe that homosexuality is a sin. I can't tell you what you can, can or can't do with your life. And I do think that you should have the same rights that I have. Well, I'm married to a wonderful man. And so, um, so of course, I would have to agree with that LGBT people should 
um, be allowed to get married in the church. But again, I don't see the harm. I see beautiful couples like this gentleman here. But when they come to the church and they're saying, can you approve our marriage before God? I can't disregard what I believe the Bible says and say, oh, forget what the Bible says so that I could be more accepting of people. And the Bible equates homosexuality to sexual immorality. You can no longer say, I, that's horrible what's happening over there, because this theology is the basis of that suicidal ideation in many cases. It is the basis of transphobia in many cases. If you see all of this atrocious pain we're causing the LGBTQ plus community, then we need to look at the plank in our own eye and say, wait, why is this happening? And now that we've seen the clip, which for us was a second because we didn't get to do that, <laughs> but for those of you who saw the clip, uh, we will now discuss our feelings about it. I want to. I want to kind of go around the room. I'll. I'll start with Richard and say, um, Richard, you've you've watched at least a portion of the video. As you said, you it, said right. you had a hard time making it through it. Um, what were your initial when I when I first messaged you? I said, Hey, watch this video. What were your first thoughts about it? Initially, when it said it's progressive Christians were you know having debates with conservative Christians. As I'm watching it, I'm part of me was thinking, where's the conservative Christians? Um, there's not really conservative Christians on that panel. Uh, one fella, for as far as I got into it, um, seemed the most. The, he was the one that during the homosexual discussion uh, basically said he struggles with the tendencies, but he doesn't uh, submit to them. So he was about as closest to it as you can get it because he's actually trying to be abide by what the Bible says. Um, but all the other ones, at some point or another, said some kind of wackadoo stuff that doesn't line up with conservative Christianity as it's defined as it's defined in my mind at all. So that was my first thought: is where's the where's the conservative Christians yeah. in this group? There, there's there there was not a Paul Washer among them. I mean, so you ain't got James White, <laughs> and Paul Washer sitting there. You got Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, that was my initial thoughts when I'm, I'm, I'm I was watching it, and I, like I said, I only got like 15 minutes in of the 24. How about you, <clears> Matthew? <throat> did you watch the whole thing? I did. I listened, uh, watched, and listened to the whole thing. Um, it was an interesting you video. All things. <laughs> What was it? What'd you say? You suffer. All I said, uh, well, we're in, we're in second. So, so 50, 20 minutes before this was recorded, we just concluded our small group. And so we did uh, second Timothy. We're in second Timothy and uh, chapter two, there's a verse on there where Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. <laughs> and so uh, I feel that this was my, uh, Paul was in <clears throat> prison being starved and beaten and all that. And so I think I can watch a, a Facebook video. So, gotcha. um, yeah. So, uh, this, I mean, it was a well-made video. It had high production values, a lot of camera angles, a lot of lighting and close-ups of people and all that. And I, um, I think it was helpful because as Richard was saying, he was saying, could the, you know, could the, could the true conservative in the room please stand up? Because it was very difficult to figure that out sometimes. Um, when someone says a conservative or a progressive Christian, uh, what do those terms mean to different people is kind of murky to nail down um it's a it's a bevy of different issues we have to consider on you know if you hold some of these but not others of those and and analogies to to politics are often not helpful but are often made um but to to the point 
uh, I saw they presented, I think, four or five different issues. It was hot buttons. It was uh, politics of like which party should we support. There was a question of um, uh, their terminology, LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign tilde at symbol. People <laughs> should be able to get married in the church. That was the that was what they say should be able to get married in the church. The um, people. Yes. Uh, would Jesus have supported the Black Lives Matter riots uh, or uh, the demonstrations? Excuse me. Um, would he have supported the, those demonstrations? And there was one other question. Did you get to that one? Was. Did no, you hear I didn't okay. get past homosexual. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so these are these are hot button issues. And um, I, I will say this: I sent the link off to another friend of mine who he and I uh, were in the same church. But I said, you know, this was really useful for me because I am blessed with a biblically centered and um, grounded church and biblically centered grounded friends, I don't interact with this world very much. And so this is actually useful to me to be able to see how the other side thinks because someone walks into my connect group, which is we, we treat them as an evangelistic idea. A lot of people won't go to church, but they will go to someone's house for dinner. And so someone walks in and I just start making a case from the biblical text when they're not even operating in anywhere close to that worldview, it's not that I shouldn't do that. It's that I need to take a different start before I get to that end. It doesn't mean we water down. It doesn't mean we squish out on stuff. It means I need to understand a little bit more that this person may not be coming from quote unquote cultural Christianity. And I need to take a different, a different approach. And this, I'd say this video was useful in, in showing how that can happen. Yep. And, uh, I would say, uh, you know, when I first saw it, and, and I appreciate both of your thoughts, by the way, I want to say that. And um, when, when I first saw it come up, that was why I sent it to you guys, because I said, I do think that this is this does have some value in uh, pulling back the veil. But I think it really is, in one sense, one sided. This is where I would probably agree with with Richard and you, you seconded it, Matthew, so agree <clears> with both of you that you know there wasn't a there wasn't really a representation of what we would call conservatism or biblical christianity um the one guy at the toward the end really took a hard stand and said you guys have a wrong hermeneutic and mm -hmm. when i hear somebody say that that typically means that at least they have some kind of training you know usually when they use that word or have have heard you know um sound teaching at some point and he said you guys have a wrong hermeneutic and this is the conservative guy and then the very next thing we see is he is the guy beside him the other conservative says well i agree with what he's saying but he was so curt mm -hmm. remember that he said he said yeah, i, I do. don't I do. had to be so curt and i'm like dude why is it that we are so afraid mm -hmm. to ever be at, at all a little bit hard mm -hmm. you know it, it, to say hard truths in a, in, a, in a heart no 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 you have to sugarcoat everything you have to put everything under a mountain of jello pudding it cannot mm -hmm. be um it can't just be said and when this guy said it even his so so to speak the person on his side was yeah. saying, yeah, yeah, you that was, well, he, you know, I would agree with him, but he didn't, have, he was so curt. He mm -hmm. was just so, and I thought, man, have you met Richard Roden? This guy's like a chainsaw <laughs> to a blade of grass. I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm giving a hard time because he's next to me. But, <laughs> you know, talk about Kurt. You know, mm-hmm. the idea, and, and, and I do think that there are times where our side can be uh, blistering with its words, but nothing the guy said, in my estimation, should have been con- con- contrived as, as Kurt. I don't know if you think this, Matthew, if you, if you feel the same way, I know Richard, uh, he checked out before that point, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm with you on that. <laughs> I think, um, so, so a generational difference is that I'll say my generation, cause I can't, I can not really estimate I'm 28. I can't really estimate exactly how old they, they all were in this video, but there were a couple that were around my age group and I'll say, quote unquote, my generation is a much more emotive generation. Um, mm-hmm. There's not as much of a emphasis on propositional truth or things like that. And so when I'm having discussions with people in my age group appeals to, uh, and this is the, the postmodernism modernism thing we talked about, Keith, a few episodes back, um, there is an emphasis on, well, my perspective is different and you can have your perspective and I can have my perspective and that's fine. Um, I cannot believe how many times I can believe how many times I heard over and over again. Okay. Well, that can be your belief and that's fine, but I'm going to have my belief over here. And Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, the American society we live in with our first amendment protections on, on exercise of religion, that is the cornerstone uh, uh, interpretation, which is to say, you may practice your religion over there and I will practice my religion over here and there the twain shall meet and we'll be fine. And that's a good thing on a civic level. But when that sort of merges into how we talk about biblical truth, it gets dangerous. Yeah. I recently heard a guy make the argument. Actually, I didn't hear a guy. And now that I come to think of it, it was actually, um, uh, Oh, what's that pastor's name? Big name pastor, um, uh, bald headed guy wears glasses, gets himself in trouble all the time now with conservatives. He's supposed Francis to say, Oh, uh, Keller. No. Keller, 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 Keller. Thank you. <laughs> bald. I, I well, two bald headed guys. Well, so. you're right. Francis <laughs> Chandler, also bald. Uh, <laughs> doesn't wear glasses, <laughs> but, um, Tim Keller said a, uh, in a tweet, I think it was that, you know, idolatry is unbiblical and homosexuality is unbiblical, but conservatives are only trying to outlaw homosexuality. Nobody's trying mm-hmm. to outlaw idolatry. And, and he, and his post was actually much longer than <coughs> that. He, he took that, what I consider to be an asinine proposition, and maybe you guys see it differently, but he took what I consider to be an asinine proposition, and then he elaborated on it to basically come to the point that you can't you can't really say that Christianity would tend to one side or the other. And mm. and, and, and and you you read it, Matthew, because I remember you, yeah. I, you. Do you think I'm being fair with what he said there? That he basically I, came yeah. down on saying you can't you can't you can't say Christianity is conservative or progressive. He or he did say that. So Keller's thing. And I think he, he and N.T. Wright must have been spending some time together on their, uh, their lack of clarity sometimes. And, you know, and you and I had a, a podcast about that. And I think I was a bit more uh, defensive isn't the right word, maybe a bit more complimentary of him than, than you might have been. And, and that's fine. But I recognize he has a clarity. About N.T. Problem. Wright? Until yeah. N.T. Wright? Yeah. 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 Um, and that, that's fine. Um, but Keller, someone posted it, quoted the tweet and said, um, 
it, it, they said, is there a week that goes by that Tim Keller doesn't say, you know what this issue could use? A whole bunch of vague and ambiguous statements that mean nothing. <laughs> and yeah. he just kind of has a checklist. He's like, abortion, we're doing that one. And welfare state, we're doing that one. And BLM, we're doing that one. Like, what this issue really needs is a bunch of vague statements that lead nowhere, you know? Yeah. Um, so to your point, yes, Keller's point was, he'll, he'll say this all the time. The Bible tells me abortion is wrong, and I agree. But what's the best way to fix it? Is it to outlaw it, which is the Republican position? Or is it to massively increase spending on social services so that it's not needed anymore, which is the Democrat position? A Christian can pick either one. These are both equally valid positions. And it's like, dude, I mean, no. Yeah, I would argue that's not the Democratic position. They're not trying it, it to is, outlaw, well, yeah. They're not trying to make it less. The whole idea of safe, rare, and uh, what was it? Safe, safe legal, uh, and rare. Safe, legal, that was the Bill Clinton mantra, safe, legal, and rare. Yeah, Bill Clinton's mantra was also, I didn't have sex with that woman. So just to be clear, True. we don't listen. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shoot, Bill sorry. Clinton now, Bill Clinton would be a centrist Republican most of the time now. I mean, yeah. you, look at, you look at, and we're digressing a bit, but the Barack Obama 2008, you actually look at archived versions of his campaign website and the positions he held. The dude was to the right of, of 2016 Donald Trump on a few things which is an wow. unbelievable thing when you, I mean, sanctity of life, you know, safe, legal, rare abortion is a rare thing that it's, we try not to do it, but sometimes you just have to, and marriage is between a man and a woman. And, and we should not allow people to skip the immigration. So like a lot of those, of those positions were held by him circa 2008. Now he didn't govern that way, but that's yeah. what he campaigned on. And it's a wild shift in the last decade. Sure. Sure. Well, getting back to the, um, well, getting back two steps, because I, I, I wanted to mention one thing uh, other about the Tim Keller tweet, because I, I do think that the, the comparison that he makes between making idolatry illegal, and mm -hmm. was it abortion or was it homosexuality? Was, was, uh, remind me. It was abortion because the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion was in the news. Yeah, I, okay. So Keller I, I said decided to inject a bunch of fog into things for no reason. Yeah, but his point, again, I would say is asinine. Maybe you guys would correct me, but I say it's asinine because um, you're looking at uh, idolatry is a grave sin. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and theonomists would say, uh, mm -hmm. my theonomist friends would say it should be illegal. And, mm -hmm. and from the perspective of uh, from the perspective of sheer God's law is uh, is <clears throat> could be the basis of man's law. There, there's some sense in which I would, uh, I, I would, I would sympathize with that, but, uh, but, yeah. but be that as it may, the issue with abortion is the most fundamental right to life. It's something that if we, 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 with the advent of uh, ultrasound technology, with the advent of, of scientific advancements that have taken place since Roe v. Wade, the idea that we just say this is just a clump of cells. Those arguments are not even, uh, they're not even worth speaking mm -hmm. anymore. And yet they're still being used. They're still being uh, propagated. They're still being repeated. And the idea that you can, that you can simply say that you can have the Democrat opinion of go ahead and kill the baby and still mm -hmm. be a Christian. And that's, and that's really what today's conversation is about, because based on that video, the idea is, it really doesn't matter what you believe. You can still call yourself a Christian. I think right. that if you say that, then you have abandoned Christianity and you've, you've mm -hmm. replaced it. You've, you've replaced it with something other than Christianity, 
no matter what you call it, it's not Christianity anymore. Yep. So Rich, Richard, talk. You've been, I've been kind of <laughs> going back and forth with Matthew here, and I feel like I'm leaving you out. Is, you had a thought? Um, well, with the Keller tweet, the first thing I thought was, what are you even saying right now? I'm like, <laughs> you, it's just, well, I don't, I don't even understand what this has, what is, what is, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and again, with Keller, the thing I hate, the hate I disappoints me with Keller is, you know, 15 years ago in um, our young married class, when me and uh, fellow by Tim, Tim was teaching it, we went through Prodigal God that he wrote. And it was a great book. It was an excellent book. And it was on the parable of the prodigal son and all that. And it was great. And it, he handled the text well. It was and then as time's going on, he's dove in. The culture is affecting him. And it's obvious the culture is affecting him. And it might be where he pastors. I think he pastors, what, New York or something like that? Or I, it's some liberal state. But anyway, he's getting influenced by the culture around him. And he's caving a little bit. And I remember you asking the question in uh, the text back and forth about uh, how we're going to do the, what we're going to center on this show. And you asked the question of when does uh liberal or progressivism but how far can you go before you're no longer christian yeah and that's a difficult question to answer because i was thinking about it on the way over here well how do you answer that question so you take a guy like keller who at one point was conservative and the whole nine yards but now he's getting on like some of this woke social justice train Mm -hmm. okay so do we have a man who's a a christian who's fallen off the rails and needs to be have be correction and discipline and needs to repent and recant some of this stuff or do you have a man who has never been a christian in the first place because if you ask the question how far can you go before he's no longer christian well if you're if you dive so far into progressive christianity and liberalism that you're holding to abortion's fine and the whole nine all these things we've been talking about well you if even our non-calvinist friend would say (laughs) <laughs> our almost Calvinist friend would say, um, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Would say if he gets to the point, if the person like Keller gets so far down the line to the point where he, you you can say he's no longer bearing the fruit of a Christian. Then he was never Christian in the first place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do you that, take his earlier work and say, was this the work of an unregenerate man? Or was he, is he always been a Christian? And he, you see what I'm saying? That's a difficult question to answer. What's the yeah. line. That's where my mind's been as we've been talking about this. Cause that question was, what you originally posed um so do you think that the, i'll ask both of you and you can just give me a yes or no do you think that 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 fundamentally that um keller has has uh rejected any essential tenet of the gospel it it depends okay because well, one we, of the things that matthew and i are going to be doing if if we get a chance thursday i know we're still we're still uh, working on our schedules, but we're going to mm-hmm. do an, an episode of not only water, which is mm-hmm. our, um, w- which is my other show. Right. And we're going to talk about the essentials versus the, the secondary things. And then the tertiary or adiaphora things. Uh, and, and we're going to discuss that because, because for pastors, that's an important question. Is you get somebody who comes in your church who wants to be a believer and you say, okay, or I'm sorry, not wants to be a believer. You either are, or you aren't. I mean, let me re- rephrase that. <laughs> You, who wants to be a member, right? And yet they're a person who proudly uh, supports the LGBT uh, movement, 
They're mm-hmm. not themselves gay, but they proudly support it. They, you know, they wear the God, you know, God is for pride or shirt or whatever mm-hmm. to church. You know, what do you do with that? And so that's that's what we're going to talk about a little bit on the show is, is what are the essentials? What are the non-essentials and what are church related matters? At least I think that's what we're going to talk about. Am I, am I, am I, am I right, Matthew? Yeah. I actually put a third category in there. I call it, and it, not to do too many spoilers on the not only water thing, and we only have limited time that's here. Okay. But... It, needs, it needs a bigger audience. So go ahead and spoil <laughs> okay. away. Tell people what we're going to talk about so they'll come listen. <laughs> sure, sure. So uh, it's a practical question. So a uh, new Christian comes to me and says, hey, our church does communion uh, uh, once a month, and this other church does it once a week. Um, does that mean that they're not real Christians, you know, and, and mm. we can kind of chuckle about that, but for a very new believer, that's like, yeah, like again, we can, we sarcastically jaw about it, but for a new believer, like they don't know how, how does, how do we do this? So I, what I do, and this will inform the rest of this and I'll be as quick and brief as I can on this. I draw three concentric circles on, on a whiteboard usually. And in the center, I write the word definitional. And then in the middle ring, I write essential. And then on the outside, I write a Greek word, adiaphora. And so uh, adiaphora means the, the other things. And so from the center, the center ring is definitional. If you do not believe this, you are definitionally not a Christian. And it's not an insult. It's, I'm not trying to whatever. It just means this is, if words have meaning, this is what this means. And in there, you would have things like the deity of Christ, the bodily resurrection, uh, the fact that atonement happened, I know there's some nuance of different atonement theories, but, but the fact that atonement happened, the incarnation, Christ's return, things like that. That if you, if you say, you know, you do the Jesus was just a good teacher kind of thing, then you're not a Christian. You can claim it, but you're not. Then outside of that, the second ring, essential doctrine. This means that if you deny this, um, you're probably still a Christian, but I won't go to your church. So if you ordain women or something like that. I think that there are many saints that work in churches that have female pastors. I think that's um, not consistent with biblical uh, direction on how a church should be. Um, I think that needs to not be a thing, but I'm not going to pronounce everyone in that church out of the kingdom. I think it's just a disordered and improper way of doing things. Um, Other things in church governance, things like that would go in there. And then Adiaf for the last circle is, Things that people within the same lowercase c church should be able to maturely disagree on. This is music style. This is communion once a week, once a month. This is uh, how many vacation days does the pastor get? Sorry, Keith. Uh, there may be some dispute on that. You know, yeah. <laughs> Pastors yeah. get vacation days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Richard's holding up the zero. Yeah. And what, so, what church? <clears throat> No, see, we're Puritans. I get a sabbatical. Ah, there you go. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. (laughs) So mature believers should be able to disagree on these. And these are the things that sort of in a Romans 14 way, if you're, if it's going to cause your brother to stumble, you should be able to give on this, you know, like, okay, I wanted hymns, but the new people don't want them, but I've been in the faith for 40 years. I can, I, I can have music that isn't my favorite for the sake of, of the newer, weaker Christians. And that's a good thing to do now. The, the error of fundamentalism takes the definitional ring and it stretches it all the way out. And it says everything is definitional. If you're not in a three-piece suit and tie, you're not a Christian. If you don't preach out of the 1611 King James, you're not a Christian. If you don't, and on and on and on, and just every little thing, you're kicked out of the faith. Stop right the there. Per- I just want to add, I just want to add a thought. Yeah. Because the, when we say, 
you can't be liberal or Christian or whatever. There are people who would call me a liberal. Yeah. Yep. Because I because I preach from ESV. Yep. Because our church sings songs that are less than a hundred years old. And yep. because you know, there are people who would say your church is liberal. We've had people walk into our church and leave because mm-hmm. they saw that we were preaching out of the ESV. So yep. just to understand when we talk, yeah, when we talk about liberal versus uh, conservative, it's not as cut and dry as some might think. So yeah. please continue. I don't want to interrupt. But sure, you're good. So fundamentalism takes that center ring and makes it everything. Progressive Christianity, liberal Christianity, left-wing Christianity, whatever kind of terminology you want to use, takes the outer ring, adiaphora, and pushes it all the way to the center. And it says things like the deity of Christ, the resurrection, the atonement. Well, you know, we can all disagree on that. If you don't think Jesus is God, that's fine. That's okay. You know, whatever. We're all okay with that. That's the era of progressive Christianity. What we must do is be ordered in our thinking and be able to sort these things into categories and say, this is something we cannot move on. And this is something that we cannot move on within a church. But if another church does that, maybe we don't do ministry with them, but there are probably some Christians in there. And then the outer ring is people within a church should be able to differ on this maturely. And that will come in when we start talking about some of the issues that they discuss in the video. Yeah. And that, that, that gets us back on track because when we, when that video, if, if our audience goes and watches it, it's only 24 minutes. So it's, it's mm-hmm. not like it would take a big part of their day to watch it. Unless you're um, Richard. Might've been a gag reflex more than a timing issue. Yeah. But if <laughs> you go, yeah, if you go and watch it, you will, you'll pick up on a few things. At least I did. Probably the number one thing is how quickly uh, the 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 scriptures, though they are though they were affirmed uh, tacitly, are thrown out uh, wholesale. Like for instance, yeah. at one point they said, "I love the Bible. I read." This is the pro- progressives. I love the Bible. I read it every day. One guy said every week, which I thought was funny. And he said, "I read it every <laughs> week." <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, 50, 52 times a year. That's good. <laughs> but but yeah. like, yeah, but but they were they were basically trying to say we love the Bible. But then when somebody quoted the Bible, well, that's Paul, and Paul doesn't speak mm. for God. And they said, no, he's inspired. Well, he's inspired, but that doesn't mean that's God speaking. It's like, no, that's exactly mm-hmm. what the word theopneustos means. It means God breathed. And so the idea that the, the scripture is being, ins- in fact, I don't like the word inspired. I think the doctrine of inspiration, uh, uh, it, 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 the, the fact that we use the word inspired, and it's the same word we use whenever we say, well, this artist was inspired to paint this painting or this, this songwriter was inspired to write the song or the, or I was inspired by the mountain yeah. or the, or the sun or the moon or whatever, you know, it inspired me that, that, that's, that's a problem because we have a, mm-hmm. a nomenclature issue. That's why we I do. prefer the term God breathed. I prefer the term, you know, uh, uh, God's word versus just saying the Bible. So um, those are those are issues that were main for me in the video because it just kept they kept they kept spitting it out. We love the Bible, but Paul's not Paul's not, you know, authoritative. And then they did the they did that when it came to the homosexual thing, they committed the gravest sin of all. They tried to go to the Greek and they flopped. They absolutely (laughs) did. Because they said arsenokoites means pedophilia. No, it and doesn't. Mal- and Malakoy, yeah. Malakoy, yes. Yep. No, it doesn't. Take it away, Matthew. Tell us what it means. 
Well, yeah. So, <laughs> well, so inspired is actually inspired is a, is I'm going to sadly, I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you. It's, in, it's sadly a great word because it means in spirited spire, meaning to put the spirit into someone. Yeah. As Christians, that's how we believe the Bible happened. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. God's mm-hmm. spirit did not grab their arm and typewriter them or something like that, but they auto writing. What, what's that? No, I, it, it, it was Indiana Jones reference. Forget it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so they, these men spoke from God as they were carried along, conducted, guided by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is God's Holy Spirit. Um, is the source of, uh, of, of scripture. And so inspired, all scripture is inspired. It is, it is, uh, it has the spirit upon it is true, but you're right. In our common parlance, it's not, it's not used that way. It's unfortunately the word is, is used in a bunch of other ways. I, I just, uh, you know, Theonostos is fantastic. I, I, like God breathed the ESV actually renders that all scripture, second Timothy three sixteen, all scripture is breathed out by God. It just goes ahead and makes an, an idiomatic expression of it, which I think is fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah. So the point about the, the homosexuality bit and the utter flop on the, on the translation, um, they said this refers uh, only to pedophilia mm-hmm. and this is a common escape hatch for people <clears throat> who uh, who are trying to get around this, trying to avoid the teaching of this text. Um, these words are used by Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, Romans chapter 1, and I believe 1 Timothy 1.10, I think it is. Um, the, it's in a vice list there. Um, but the assertion was this is referring to um, uh, just pedophilia. The problem is if you look at arsenokoites, you have arsen, uh, arsenos, you know, for the word for man, just the Greek word for man, and coitus, which is a cognate in the English language. According to the Big and, Bang Theory, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah. Who's going to yeah. get that? You know what I'm talking about? They, they, anyway, yeah. they keep going, keep going. I'm, I'm, for some reason, I just became the pop culture guru of the group. But, but keep Nice. Going. Okay. Uh, and then you have the second word, malakoi, which just really means soft. And so this is probably the active and passive partner in a, in a male homosexual relationship. Um, how this could be construed as pedophilia? I'm, I've heard other assertions. I, don't, I think it was just asserted in this video. I don't think there was any evidence put behind yeah, it. And, there, and, and, and this is what gets me about the video. And you, you, you correct me if you think I'm wrong. Both of you can, can chime in on this. I think the video intentionally allowed for certain things to be expressed from the progressive side and not so much from the other side. And here, and because I don't think there was a fair hearing on both sides. And just like you said, where was the conservative? Nobody on the conservative side was making uh, Greek word arguments. Nobody said theopnistos or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But the people on the other side obviously came loaded for bear. Well, arsenokoitis means pedophilia. And that's what it means. No, it doesn't. But somebody, you know, uh, what was the guy who wrote the, the homosexual book? Uh, uh, Rob, Vines. Not Rob. Yeah, uh, uh, Matthew Vines. Matthew Vines. Yeah. N- n- even though Matthew Vines has convinced the world, uh, uh, or at least the, the LGBT you know, the letter people, he's convinced the letter people 
that this is that that this means something other than just homosexuality. Um, it, it just doesn't hold up under scrutiny. You just showed that it doesn't hold up under scrutiny. The idea of this is obviously what they meant um, is 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 just seems to me to be uh, I, so unfair. I'm sorry, Richard. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say what I noticed was um, one the fellow that brought up you know Paul's Paul wasn't. Paul was the one writing. It wasn't God writing. It wasn't God's words. Paul's words was the one man who was married to a man. So this was his attempt to justify his, his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you've got to twist something. You got to shake something out. You got to remove God from the equation so that you can justify your lifestyle. God didn't say this. Paul said this. So Paul's wrong. God wouldn't, would never say that I shouldn't be in a relationship with a man whole nine yards. Um, the other thing is like going to your point, Keith, is anytime one of the progressives spit something out and challenged the so-called conservatives in the group, the conservatives got real quiet real quick. It's like they weren't prepared to, or they were afraid to really contest up to the 15 minute point anyway, contest what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause when, she, when the one, the one girl on the left-hand side with long hair kept she would spout something out to the fellow across the room who was struggling with homosexuality. Anytime she would get kind of not really aggressive, but challenge him, he'd clam up. Like he didn't have, he didn't know how to answer her questions. He wasn't yeah. prepared yeah. to answer her questions where I think you're right. He's afraid to fear. Um, and, I, and I've noticed that too is when it comes to con- conservative Christians or Christians in general, anytime they come across someone who wants to challenge them and challenge them hard they're afraid to be curt as the one guy said mm-hmm. or to offend or make somebody mad well i'm sorry the gospel's offensive so mm-hmm. uh, at some point you're going to have to offend someone or to quote jordan peterson in order to think you have to risk being offensive if you're going to speak your mind on the situation mm-hmm. you may offend someone and you don't have to try to be offensive but if you offend them as i'm sorry that's too bad I'm just giving you the truth here. Yeah. Um, so well, we're going to call you Captain Kurt. <laughs> I love it. The USS, the USS, the USS. Are you okay? The USS Tulip. Thank you. Yes, you're Captain Kurt on the USS yeah. Tulip. Uh, I, I, followed the, I followed the order of argumentation here, and it went something like this. Um, it was... Uh, that one of the gentlemen said, well, I'm what he claimed was married to another man. And so obviously I think the church should approve this. And when someone else said, well, it says, she said, we're all trying to get to heaven, right? Like that's the goal of Christianity, which is a tell that you've got a bad root at your, and this is one of the conservative Christians, but you've got a bad root there. Um, but let's sidestep that for just a minute. And she said, well, I read first Corinthians six, nine and 10. And it says this group of people, drunkards, idolaters, fornicators, <laughs> homosexuals will not, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so I don't want to be in that group, which was her defense. So, okay, fine. You know, points for effort there, grounding in scripture. And that's when the, the counter to that was, well, that's arson Cortes and Malakoy. And that means an older man and his slave. And so this is not to do with homosexuality. It has to do with that. And then one of the, quote unquote conservatives made a point that I actually thought was pretty good. They said, well, okay, you look at Romans one and Leviticus 18. It says, if a man lie with a man as he lies with a woman, 
So the word homosexuality is not used. It's describing the activity. That's unequivocal, right? And then uh, the cop-out for Leviticus was, well, that was just for Israel. That's not for us. And the, uh, the counter for the Romans passage was twofold. One, it was, well, that was just Paul. That wasn't God. Um, mm -hmm. Pretty standard. And the other one was, well, he's what Paul's describing is unnatural affection for one another. Mm -hmm. And I am naturally drawn towards men. Therefore, unnatural for me would be to be with a woman. So it's natural for me to be with a man. So I'm, I'm obedient to this passage, which is weird because five seconds ago, you said it was just Paul writing. So why do you even care if you're obedient to the passage? Yeah, so, you know, so that, was, that was the flow of argument. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I just just as a thought, um, when we're thinking about that, that that last argument, you know, and, you know, well, this is uh, not not the one about it being Paul, but the one before that. What was the, the one? It was, was well, uh, well, my natural affection is for men. Therefore, I'm yeah, consistent I, with this passage. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. So what would because I know how I would respond to that. And I would imagine some people would say chainsaw to a blade of grass. It would not be the nicest response, but, but I know how I would respond. Uh, if somebody said to you, look, the Bible says the natural desires uh, are, are what, is somebody going against natural desires wrong? My natural desire is for, for those of my same sex. Therefore, it's not wrong. What would be your response? I'm going to get my response. Mine will probably be the least uh, articulate and probably... <laughs> Probably the last one somebody should use, but go ahead and uh, give well, your. Go ahead. I just, I've had this conversation before, and I just kept it simple. I just started with Genesis. God made them male and female, Adam and Eve, and I know that's what a lot of people say is what it was Adam and Eve, what Adam and Steve. I didn't go that far. I'd be <laughs> stupid about it. But I said, but God created the male and female. He created Adam. He created all the animals as to try to find a helpmate didn't work out. Then he made a woman for Adam to be his helpmate. It was a man and it was a woman. His natural affection was for the woman. Her natural affection was for him. That's the way it was at the creation. That's the way it was in the beginning. That's the way God intended it to be. So now that we're thousands of years into the future, sin has just run rampant in creation. The whole creation groans under it. I mean, creation itself is under the burden of sin your unnatural affection, your natural affection for someone of the same sex is an unnatural affection. It's a sinful affection because of the brokenness of this world and the sinfulness of this world that has marred it. Mm -hmm. You may feel like it's a natural affection, but according to God's plan for men and women to procreate and the natural affection they should have toward the opposite sex is how he ordained it to be because of the way God ordained it. And God is the creator of God. He's the one who set this, he put this together. He's the one who made it this way. So he's the one who determines how it should be. He has made the determination this is how it should be. So therefore, no matter how natural you think it is, it is unnatural according to God's design for how man and woman should operate together and how sexual union should be, um, be done. So mm -hmm. Okay, that Art would be my argument. Articulate and uh, and and to the scriptures, to the point. Matthew, mm -hmm. what, 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 how how would you if somebody said, "Well, mm -hmm. my natural desire is for the mm -hmm. for my same sex." Uh, what do you think? Well, if I'm if I'm answering that, I think 
context matters. I mean, if I'm answering that in a in a scholarly debate or something like that, if I was in the situation of this video and I'm I'm sitting in a chair across from someone, and and the point is for us to be having an exchange of ideas, that's different than I have someone come to my small group and says, "Wait, hold on, I've heard Christians are hateful against gay people. I'm, uh, you know, I'm attracted to my same sex partner. Is that wrong? You know, it's natural for me." So there's a Again, we don't want to we don't want to run away from the truth, but we also want to present this in a way that that we understand the the person can understand it and will not be needlessly offended. One of the things Richard was pointing out, the gospel's offensive, and I agree with that. But something else that one of my pastors at church says is the gospel at our church, the gospel should be the only offensive thing in the building, and I completely agree with that. Um, we should not do anything else unnecessary to offend people. Let the gospel do the offending. Um, now that said, uh, let's say I am I am doing this in more of a uh, of an evangelistic standpoint. I would make many of the same points Richard did, and so I won't repeat those. I would say, yes, God as Creator has said this is how this is supposed to work. Um, and, and so I'm just going to copy paste up. that. Yeah, up. exactly. Right. The only thing I would add is, okay, are there any other instances in the New Testament where something is called sin? And you would say, well, it's natural for me to do that. Is there any other circumstance uh, uh, being given to bouts of rage, drunkenness, idolatry, all of these things that uh, Paul lists alongside this sin? Are there any of those that you would say, it's okay for me to do this because it's natural to me? Because I would tell you this, for someone who's not in Christ, I agree with you, that is natural to you. The Bible talks about humans having a nature that desires to sin constantly. I, I completely agree with you. Um, the, the comment and the short retort has always been, well, I was born this way. Okay, agreed. You must be born again. Moving on. Next question. Like, you know, that, that's not a hard one for me. It's like, yeah, I, I bet you were born this way. Time to be born again, my friend. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I would go. <laughs> that's, yeah. Okay, good. I gave you the, I, I was, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fist bumping me fist bumping you from a distance <laughs> yeah. there. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I'm not supposed to do. I'm going to be needlessly offensive. Okay. <laughs> you told me not to do that. Gary well, it, it's the context. If it's three guys <laughs> hanging out on a zoom call, that's different than if someone is in your living room saying, Keith, I'm struggling with this. I don't know if I can give this up because I want to be a Christian, but I can't give up my husband. If they're a man, you know, that's different. Okay. That's different. different. Now, now that's yeah. different. That's different. Yeah. And, and, and because if I did have, and I have, and I want people to know this, I have had people who've come into my life and who've asked the question, they've said, I'm, you know, I'm homosexual, but I, I believe that it's wrong. The Bible says that it's wrong. I want to deal with that. I want to live yeah. the way that God's called me to live. I'm, I'm, I'm asking this. So, so just to specifically address what, how I'm going to answer is based on a certain context. Yeah. Because yeah. a certain context is someone who comes to me and says what they said in the video. And that yes. is the natural desire I have is for the same sex. And therefore, Paul is not condemning me. He's condemning yes. people with unnatural desires. Yeah. Yep. And I, well, I'm going to say I would say this. I might not. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little, maybe, I'm trying to be careful. You know, you've I, already teased I go it, just so. up to the line where we get kicked off of YouTube, but not quite. <laughs> I would say possibly, 
depending on the context, depending on my level of comfort with the person, I would say I have a natural desire to punch you in the face. <laughs> uh, because to the listener, Richard is nodding. He is not <laughs> saying anything, but he is nodding. I just want to point that out. Because uh, I tell you the best, and, and, and I know Doug Wilson is a powder keg. Some people love him. Some people hate him. Um, but Doug Wilson does have a very good lesson on this subject. And mm. um, I forget the name of it. I think it was called, um, uh, oh, Winsome Tartness. I think Winsome Witness? No, Winsome Tartness. Like tart. Oh, so that must have been, okay. So Winsome Witness was something from jd greer or something like that he was saying no no no, no. so i'm sure it was a parody or a play on words from that (sighs) oh i I didn't even know that i didn't even know well in in winsome tartness he said this he said if somebody comes to you with this argument for their progressive position and they give you an articulate position and they start really articulating their position he said you can respond by like richard did go to scripture take them through the scripture he said, or like you did, take them to how their argument is logically indefensible, because that's what you did. Mm-hmm. I would say, Matthew, you took them to logic. You said, here's, you know, here's this. Richard's was more of a scriptural argument. Mm-hmm. Both of you were scriptural, but, you know, a little yeah, bit I understand. I understand. But he said, sometimes you just got to look at them and say, I don't think so, Skippy. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, what you what you say when you're saying, I don't think so, Skippy, is you're saying not only is your argument unbiblical but it's foolish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you're making a logical argument. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show you by, by virtue of my willingness to say, I don't think so, Skippy, that it's not, you are not, you are not coming at this in a legitimately logical mm-hmm. or biblical way. You are coming at this in a way that is meant to be uh, uh, foolish and I'm going to treat it as such. Now, mm-hmm. not everybody agrees that's the way you should handle it. I'm not saying that's the way I would handle it every time. I'm just saying, if somebody said to me, I have a natural affection for men. If I say I have a natural affection to punch you in the face, does that make me right? Yeah, yeah. Does that make me right? And they would obviously say no, because mm-hmm. one, they don't want to get punched in the face. And two, they know punching people in the face is wrong. In general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I can say punching someone in the face is wrong, and you can say punching someone in the face is wrong, but we can't say, anal sex between men is wrong Mm -hmm. then we have we have left the reservation and i don't think so skippy that's the point is we have two men molesting one another and using the body's evacuation point for a point of sexual gratification is disgusting and is immoral Mm -hmm. now what i'm saying is offensive and i can see both of you're like nobody wants to hear this nobody Mm -hmm. wants to hear this but that is the point is sometimes sometimes you got to call a spade a spade you got to say this is what it is this is what mm-hmm. this thing is mm-hmm. right well i agree with that and i've done that before and probably not, not, not probably sudden, didn't nice, get to hear it. yeah uh and i don't always go over it never really goes over well um but there's times but when i've done that it's always been i've had the conversation with this person 15 times and after so many times, it's just like, okay, at some point you just got to say, listen, dude, here's the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got to quit beating around the bush here. And he just lay it out for him. 
One thing, going back to the video, though, that I noticed that I found interesting, and it, I just thought about it as we've been talking, is most of what the progressive Christians were saying in the video and their responses, you know, in the short time that I listened to it, has been, it was some of the same exact argumentation that I hear from unbelievers all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't much different between them and any random person who would claim to be an atheist. They're making this. I've heard from uh, unbelievers that want to argue with me about homosexuality using the same thing. Well, it doesn't, it's not really homosexuality. It's not, that's, that wasn't, the argument he said about, it wasn't in the Bible till the 1900s or something. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. word wasn't there. Well, well that's right. fine because Arsenicoites was there. So that was good <laughs> so, enough. You know, and I've heard all that stuff, but I've heard it from unbelievers mm-hmm. so many times. So that's, that's, so when I'm looking at the video, listening to the video, I'm like, so, we've got like maybe one or two Christians in this panel anyway, judging yeah. by what they're saying, because they're so on point with the world's reasoning. There ain't nothing biblical in it. What well, they might be able to quote some scripture. Well, Jordan Peterson quotes scripture, but he ain't no Christian. Not so, yet. We're praying. <laughs> he's getting we close, yes, but absolutely. You know, so Anyway. All right, brother. I, I feel like you have a thought about what I said, Matthew. I feel like I, I, I his face, it, his face it, is a little flush, like, and that's okay. I disagree Not, with the host. Is I have uh, my ears, I have my ears covered, and it's getting hotter and hotter in this room, uh, as Keith knows from the studio. So no, it's honestly I don't I don't have a. I'm not myself offended by the terminology. I just I wonder. Um, Yes, there comes a time to call a spade a spade. Uh, I, I, I wonder. Um, I wonder how effective that would be. So, okay. So let me let me ask. Or let me say this. Saiten uh, Bruggenkate says I don't do Bible studies with atheists, and and one hundred percent there. Um, it doesn't make sense to belabor and to present and to uh, spend all of your time casting your pearls before swine on pouring out God's truth. Um, but at the same time, uh, to someone who is, you, who is are, are not going to hear you, it. Are you saying you agree with Sai or don't agree with Sai? I, just, I, I do just, agree with Sai. Okay, yeah. I thought yeah. you said 100%. I just want to make sure. I, I, I didn't know. What, okay. Yeah, so Sai says, I don't do Bible studies with atheists. And that's that's great because if, you know, we believe the spirit must animate someone to be able to understand the things of God. That being said, scripture tells us that I'm my my... I was an old King James raised on the old King James. So a lot of my memory verses still come out that way. So you're going to hear some, 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 uh, some THs on the end. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So like you were saying, if you prefer to refer to it as the word of God, rather than just the Bible, if we need the word of God to communicate divine truth to someone and not to go into a soteriological angle but to give them faith i know it's not us doing that but if 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 the the process by which faith comes is by the word of god and instead what we say is uh i think you're wrong and what you're talking about is confused disordered and disgusting and we don't go any further than that then i think we've missed an opportunity there okay uh, that's fair. and i'm not saying you have to yeah i'm not saying you have to have it on a keychain and quote a specific verse every time like but but there must be some 
if we believe that God's people respond to God's word, then on the chance, as Spurgeon said, that we don't have red X's on the back of the elect, so we, we don't know. But yeah. on the chance that we do, so he's quoting that, Calvinist. He's quoting Calvinist. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. All right, real uh, quick, I, I I do want I do want to, and again, not to defend my position because yeah, sure. I'm not saying I would do that every time. I here's my point, just to clarify. If I'm in that point in the conversation, we've already been talking about scripture because they're using the Romans one passage of natural versus unnatural. So that conversation is not how I start. Yeah. I'll give okay. you, I'll give you a great, I'll give you a great example. There was a, a lady and people have heard me tell the story before. You maybe even heard it, Matthew. Um, Cause I know you listen to some of our stuff, but mm -hmm. a few years ago we were doing a, a, a evangelism outreach at the Calhan fair and a lady walked by our booth and she said, I'm a lesbian and I'm going to hell and that, you know, ha ha ha. You know, she yelled at us and I yelled out to her. I don't want you to go to hell. I mm -hmm. love you. And I don't want you to hell. Well, she, the next day, one of our workers that was at the booth came up to me and said, Hey, there's a girl over there. She, she, she needs to talk to you. And, mm -hmm. I, and I looked and it was the same lady. And so I walked over there and we had about a 30 minute conversation about homosexuality. And I didn't even address that as her grievous sin. I addressed the fact I started just the whole Ray Comfort thing. I said, have you ever told a lie? You stand yeah. before God yeah. as a liar. I said, let's so you think even... you're a good person. Yeah. yeah like, hey, that's pretty good. That's a good Ray Comfort. <laughs> yeah. So, and my point was because I wasn't there <clears throat> to address her homosexual issue. I was there to address the fact that she's a sinner before holy God and needs a savior. And that yeah. Christ can save us from all sin, not just the, the, not just the, the simple ones, you know, he can save us from everything. So anyway, the, the point is that I am, I'm not saying this is how I would handle every situation. I'm just saying it's mm -hmm. at a certain point, I think that um, when they called that dude, Kurt, and they said, oh, that you're being Kurt. I'm like, this dude is like the nicest guy ever. If they met yeah. me, they would think I was a nutter butter, man. They would just, this, they, they wouldn't be able to handle it. This guy probably peace sitting down. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Woo! ladies and gentlemen of the <coughs> listening well, audience, um, I want to say that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Like, uh, he definitely does not. Uh, <laughs> against the wall. <laughs> Someone call all Stephen my, Anderson in here. All my Stephen Anderson friends. He yep, is yep. not against the wall. Okay. Uh -huh. Oh my goodness, that this is a banner show. This That's going to be and, great. And look at us. We look like we're in a movie theater because my, my, I, I, I changed the position of my monitor. It's like uh, up on the wall now. So we're both like we're at AMC theater. <laughs> I can't wait for this to exist for 38 minutes on YouTube before it gets pulled down. That's going to be a great, a great I, half hour. I, yes, we have, uh, we have done everything we can. Well, yep. um, can I, uh, this ain't, this is kind of off topic. This goes back to your comment from Cy Ten. How do you say his last name? Cy Ten Bruggen Yeah, Bruggen It's like trying to figure out if it's Vody or Vody. Anyway, um, he says he doesn't do Bible studies with atheists, and yes. I'm guessing because it used the reference of tossed your pearls before swine. Is yeah. When he made that statement, is he talking about um, people that are hostile to it, or just in general? Yeah. No, he's no. He, he's saying. To it. Yeah, he's Go saying ahead. that that he won't. As you would sit with a fellow believer, if you had a fellow believer who was who you believed to be in Christ and and said, I just need some clarity on this issue because I'm not sure, then you would open Romans one, you'd open First Corinthians six, you'd go to Genesis two and, and Matthew 19, and you would lay it all out for them and you would say, Here's how God's word is consistent and connects okay. and all that. What he's saying is a hostile atheist 
who's like, why do Christians hate gays? He said, I'm not doing that with them. That's a waste okay. of time. I just want to clarify that because um, I knew a guy at um, Andy's church. He told me, we just talked on the phone for a while, and he did a Bible study with a friend of his at work once a week for like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the guy was completely, had, didn't want anything to do with Christian. He wasn't hostile. He was willing to listen. But he spent yeah. a year with him, a year. And then yep. one day out of the blue, the guy called him and like in tears and yep. in repentance. So Good. that's when you said, when you made that comment, I'm like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I th- and I think, I think it, it, size statement is the, is shorthand because he's an open yes. air preacher. Right. And often open air preachers uh, are, are, are limited to short sound bites. It's shorthand for saying, I'm not going to debate the truth of scripture with an unbeliever. I'm going to size a, is also a, a presuppositional apologetic apologist as well. So yeah, yeah. well, I agree hundred percent with the don't talk pearls for someone who's yeah, hostile yeah, to it. Yeah. For, and I've seen it. him, and I've seen him on college campuses and it's, you know, he's explaining the gospel and somebody will come up and say, well, what about slavery in the Bible? I don't do Bible studies with unbelievers. That, that's his yeah. response because it's quick and you wouldn't understand what the Bible means about slavery and, and, the, and the distinctions between how slaves were treated then and treated now and things that you wouldn't understand that. So why would I have a Bible study with you? That's yeah, that makes yeah. that makes perfect yeah. sense. Well, thank you for the clarity on that one. Yeah. And Richard, I, I would say it, when when I say Bible study, I mean opening the scriptures and studying them so that we can become more like Christ. Yeah. And I would say if there's an atheist in the not even necessarily in the room, if an atheist is the subject of my study, that's not a Bible study. That's evangelism. That is yeah. opening the Word of God and letting it breathe. Those can look similar. But tonight, when we went through First Timothy chapter 3, we didn't get all the way to verse 16, which I'm saving for next week because I wanted to save it for its own week. But it, it talks about that's all scripture is God-breathed and oh, okay. profitable for Wait, teaching. That's second, that's second Timothy 3.16. Did I say first? Yeah. That's why I'm I was sorry. Like, We're in first, second Timothy. I was like, what's first Timothy He's 3, only 16? 28. He no, hasn't no, got No, no. I was like, first <laughs> Timothy 3.16 is about deacons. Isn't it? Uh, Isn't it? No, First Timothy three sixteen is God was uh, or He who was manifest in the flesh, seen by angels, vindicated in the spirit. Yeah, but it's, it's the statement. following up of the elder deacon conversation. Yeah, that's why I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, all right. But you were in the, you were in the. Yeah. The so, but but even going even leading up to that, you have this a huge vice list, one of the biggest in the New Testament. You know, all the things that these people do wrong. And, uh, and then we got into a discussion because someone said, isn't it? So this is really weird. Cause you've got like, they're brutal and haters of, of mercy and like all of the God haters and all this kind of stuff. And then there's, they're disobedient to parents, you know, and someone, <laughs> my favorite, someone, my favorite. someone in the study, like, again, not, they've probably been a Christian. Actually, I was there when they were baptized about a year and a half Easter of 2020. So two years ago. And so they're still. They're still, they're not baby Christians anymore, but they're still building their understanding of the text. And, you know, they're looking at that and kind of cocking their heads sideways like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, that appears in the list with all the others. Okay, so just a few minutes ago, we had a major technical malfunction. We thought we lost the whole hour of video. I cried. He tried to throw himself out the window. I had to grab him. Matthew was over there. I saw him take a drink of something. I'm not sure what it was, but it, it's not only water. I think it's moonshine. It looks like moonshine. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it was. That was homemade in his backyard. He's got nothing but corn and a, a, a pipe. And a, that's anyway, right. Yeah. How do you know how to yeah. make moonshine, though? Hey, I've seen Dukes of Hazard, man. That's right, Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse. All right, so. 
I'm not quite sure where we are because it's been 10 minutes. We, we had to cut, but uh, I'll try to edit it together as nicely as I can. But we do have to bring this episode to a close because we have gone for well over an hour. We've had a very lively conversation about this subject. And ultimately, I, I, I'm going to ask you both to kind of summarize this thought. And the question is, really, um, do we think that the the concept of liberal versus conservative, is that really even a helpful designation? And can a person truly be liberal and still hold to the tenets of Christianity? And if so, what does that look like? I know that's, I mean, that's basically what we've been talking about for an hour, but is there, if you have a, maybe a two or three minute way of, of, of fleshing that out. And I know Richard's sitting here going, don't really. <laughs> it's, it, I guess it depends. If you're, I guess the only easy answer I can give for it, if your liberalism gets to the point that as what Matthew was talking about earlier with his concentric circles, if the definitional elements of the faith begin to get skewed or rejected because you've adopted so much of the culture's uh, worldview, then that's where you've crossed the line. Um, and you can see some of that in this social justice gospel element where they're supplanting the gospel with this social justice version of it. Yeah. And when you cross that line, when you start messing with the gospel, start messing with the deity of Christ, start messing with the authority of scripture and the whole nine yards, then I think you you've crossed the line. And as I said before, if you have say you've been a Christian for X amount of years and then you cross this line, well, the reason you've crossed this line is because as first John says, when those members of the church went out after Gnosticism, they went out because mm -hmm. they never were among us in the first place. So if you're, if the spirit of God did not convict you to repent and repent and come back to the truth and you went out after the falsehood and you adopted all this, then I would say that you weren't a Christian in the first place. That would be where I would draw. I would have to draw the line because it, it can get the water, get real muddy real quick with this, with that question, because there's not like a, like I was talking about before with Keller, or you got David Platt, who's gotten on kind of the white privilege train. You've got, I keep using celebrity pastors because I can't mention a friend because nobody knows who he is, but you, you can look up some of these folks. Not you. But you <laughs> oh, no. I was, like, I, was like, I was like. No, but I mean, Matt Chandler, Mark Driscoll, all these guys have kind of gotten off the rails in places, mm -hmm. you know, so you can you can say, well, how far have they gone? Has it gone too far? You see what I'm saying? So yeah, I use those as examples. So that would be my answer to the question. And I'm sure Matthew will be a lot more smarter than I am on it. because <laughs> He's definitely an articulate young man. Yes, he, is. he is a very bright, Sharp a bright, very bright well, thank young man. You. We both love you very much. <laughs> thank and you. They, I appreciate most, that. In the most heterosexual way possible. We he, um, love you very he much. He still has a youthful 28 year old yes, mind. No... It's not, it's not a 42 year old mind. That's it's right. been ate up with all these children. My, my, well, it hasn't. My brain needs glasses. <laughs> And it hasn't uh, it hasn't been messed up by years of Calvinism either. Oh shoot! Oh, oh. No. oh Keith, I'm gonna lean forward. Can you get that knife out of my back? Oh, I, can't, no. I can't reach it. Everything I, hurts, and I'm dying. Yeah, you know what's uh, 
anyway, uh, all of my best friends truly are, or let's say greater than 80% are Calvinists. So you're in, you're in great company. Um, they are all pulling on me too, but anyway, um, yeah. How do we sum this up? Um, thinking through issues of what does it mean to be a Christian? If we're going to operate in a world where words have meaning, uh, where words like love and uh, tolerance and compassion and natural versus unnatural, if all of these are going to have a meaning and we're going to agree in a, at least in a, a, a transcendental worldview where there is something beyond time, space, and matter um, that we're not just, yeah, that, that, we're not just, uh, as Jeff Durbin likes to say, bags of uh, fizzing chemicals in a universe that doesn't care. Um, if, if there's something more than that, then there must be at least some definable way of understanding what is and what is not. And if we can, if we can at least get that far, then we can say that there is some way that we can differentiate between uh, good and not good. God does it consistently, and this was good, and this was not good, and he defines good and evil. The very first instance of sin in the whole Bible was two humans deciding that they wanted to take the prerogative of defining good and evil for themselves. And that goes all the way back to the very first sin. And so we still see the bitter fruits of that to this day. Um, if, we are going to, uh, if we are going to say this is or is not sinful— then there must be some standard by which we are doing that. And in this video, what we saw was the quote-unquote conservative Christians making a inconsistent and belated attempt to do that. And then the quote-unquote progressive Christians making a passing, oh yeah, the Bible's nice and all, but, and putting something else over top of that. And so, excuse me, I think that the sum and we always get back here. The sum total issue is authority from whence comes these statements. How can we say this is acceptable and this is not? Because if these folks had been worth their salt in this video, they would have pushed back and said, God's word says this. And then that puts the person on the other end in the necessary position of either disputing the point and, and come now, let us reason together as God says in Isaiah or saying, well, I reject that. And if you reject that, that's fine. Well, it's, it's not fine. If you reject that, that's at least consistent. You can at least say, I don't agree with that at all. I don't need that Bible. I'm something else. But at that point, we're no longer talking about Christians. So in summary, the liberal Christian, the further they detach themselves from the reality of what God has revealed, the further and further away they get. There is rarely a single moment where they have crossed the literal red line in the sand. It's very difficult to pinpoint where that happens, but at some point it does happen. And eventually God will honor that request to move further and further and further away from his family. And he will say, he will, he will allow that to occur. And at that point, the person is truly lost. And I would not be at all surprised to see more than just three. There were six people in this video to see more than three of these people five years from now, writing a book about their deconstruction journey and how they left Christianity. It would not surprise me even a little bit. And I say that for the conservatives and for the progressives in here, they all demonstrated certain amounts of squish. See everything you just said, I was trying to say. <laughs> That's why you just said it a lot better. Uh, I, I tell you what, the old, uh, the old rule for leadership, good leader surrounds him with people smarter than him. 
So you're like Donald Trump. Hey, I tell you what, I like I like surrounding my people with uh, surrounding me. If he's Trump, who are we? This episode is going to be huge. It's going to be the best episode (laughs) anyone has ever had. Believe me. He's a pretty good impressionist. He's not bad. So far, we've gotten Ray Comfort and Donald Trump out of him. Yeah, I'm telling you what. (laughs) Oh my! All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give my final my final thought. (laughs) <laughs> which would be mm-hmm. my, that's my uh jerry springer my final thought uh-huh. okay uh yeah, i didn't get springer out of that way. Go ahead. well that's what he always says on the show but you didn't sound like him anyway we're I, getting... I don't watch the show either just leave every time i go every time impressions to henson and you just uh every every time <laughs> i go to get my every time i go get my tires rotated they're always showing jerry springer mm. at discount tire so I get, it's mm. how i keep up with the show yeah mm. <laughs> okay mm. oh let me sorry whack the microphone there Okay. Uh, again, agree with you with you guys. Uh, you know, very well articulated. Um, I, I do want to. I do want to take a step back before I close the show. I do want to say one thing. I mentioned earlier punching somebody in the face. And I want to clarify. <laughs> I don't have a desire to punch people in the face, especially people uh, that are uh, you know claim to be uh, homosexual or whatever. I don't want. I don't want it. To, I don't want it to ever be said that Keith said on this show that he desires to punch homosexual people in the face. That's not what I said. Just to be clear, what I was saying is a natural desire to punch someone in the face is wrong. So mm-hmm. to say that a natural desire is by nature makes it correct is the same thing as saying someone who has a desire to molest a child or a desire to uh, steal something or a desire to, uh, you, you know, we all have sinful desires. And the idea that that that, um, that somehow makes it OK, that it's natural, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, is the argument I was making. And so just, just wanted to clarify that now on to the, this, this idea of the line. And I, and I think, I think you both are right. It's hard to define the line, but if we were answering the question, say how liberal can someone be and still be a Christian here, here's what I have recognized. And this video obviously is not the first time, but this video does sum this up. It shows that once you, once you are willing to begin a direction that direction is not satisfied with just a slight variance you have to go all the way and and i'll give you an example of this from the past uh i know that uh matthew and i talked about john shelby spong we talked about when he died we did a special show about his death john shelby spong was a liberal bishop in the Episcopalian church, uh, self-defined, one who would say he did not believe the major tenets of the gospel. He did not believe the resurrection of Christ. He didn't, he, at a certain point, I think he said he didn't even believe necessarily in the afterlife. I mean, he had a very, very humanistic, uh, naturalistic view of faith. And yet he was an, an Episcopalian priest and the, I think when people begin to say, well, that's what I mean when I say liberal is that. And we say, well, how close to that do you got to get to become out of the kingdom or whatever? Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the maybe the more appropriate way to approach is rather than what is the minimum that a person has to be to be a Christian? Because that's really the question we're saying. What, what's the minimum people have to leave? is rather to say, shouldn't we as Christians want to be moving 
toward a more biblical worldview Mm -hmm. rather than saying, how much can we get away with? How much can someone can believe or not believe and still be a Christian? And I know that I know that it really doesn't answer the question. But when somebody does come to me and say, because I've had this question, maybe you've had it, Matthew. I know you both are Sunday school teachers as well as or, or you teach small groups, Matthew. He teaches Sunday mm-hmm. school. I know you, you <clears> teach. <throat> you know, you we always get the question, what's the minimum someone has to believe to be yeah. a Christian? And, and, and I hate that question. Because even though I understand the heart from where it comes, you know, the whole mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis idea of, you know, what's the minimum someone has to believe, are we called to the minimum? And certainly the answer is no. And so um, when someone starts to say, well, a person can believe this and still be a Christian, or a person can believe that and still be a Christian, what, what, we, are, what we are missing is that a call to faith in Christ is a call to a, an acceptance of the 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 truth and veracity, historicity of the scriptures, which tell us about Christ. And, and even somebody like Andy Stanley, who has in, in the last few years made very bold claims about not needing the Old Testament. You know, we can jettison the Old Testament. And some people say I'm misrepresenting him there. But to be clear, unhitched, unhitched. He's, word. he's saying that these are really unnecessary. We don't need the whole thing we just need this one thing which is for him it's the resurrection and how long is it going to be before he gives that up how long is he going to how long is it going to be before even a belief in the resurrection becomes like union theological seminary well we don't believe in a physical resurrection we just believe in a spiritual resurrection and like the springtime brings life to trees that were dead during the winter you know that's what that's what resurrection is it's some some nonsense and, and I guess this is where I, 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 I think that while I, while I do have, a, I do think there's a danger in fundamentalism expanding the circle out. And I do think Matthew's 100% right on that. And we're going to talk about that on Thursday, uh, hopefully this week. Um, mm-hmm. the, ultimately, I do think that the, the danger, the, the overall danger is saying, um, you know, that we should be looking for a minimum, that we should be looking for a minimum, even though that's, even though I know that's where people land is, is by saying we should be looking at a minimum of beliefs. What's the minimum that somebody has to believe to be a believer? Um, you know, cause again, where, where, where do people, it, it, it used to be, we had to believe in the divinity of Christ. You had to believe in the resurrection. You have to, well, now the divinity of Christ is gone. It's just the resurrection for some people. And so, and like I said, I'm starting another podcast. I don't mean to, I know you're tired. I'm tired and many people are tired. Uh, but my, my, my final point on this is simple. Um, let us not embrace the idea of the minimum. Let us not embrace mm-hmm. the idea of just what's the minimum somebody has to believe, but to point them wholly towards the person of Christ and say, as we are rejecting this for whatever reason, we are, we are rejecting what uh, God has given to us, the truth of the scripture. So hope, hopefully that's helpful. Well, the simplicity of it, and we're, we're going through First John, that's why I brought it up earlier. To your point to his, you know, if words have meaning, there's definitions in the Bible and there's definitions of sin. Yes. Well, John makes it very clear because it's a very black and white book. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And those born of God will not continue in a habitual practice of sin. And what you see in some of these progressive Christians, especially the one who's in a homosexual relationship, is in a habitual practice of sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We well, can't be born of God then. That's very clear, straight, and forward. And the other part of that is, is those who are born of God will be in a habitual practice of righteousness. Yeah. 
So there is no minimum. There's growth. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So anyway, I'll stop talking because we're out of time. Well, <laughs> I want to thank you, Matthew, for being with me. And Richard, as always, you guys are, yeah, uh, you know, I have many good guests. Recently, I had a, a new friend, Daniel Burton, join the program. He was awesome. Jake Korn was on. He was awesome. Got a lot of good compliments for those guys. But you guys have been on the show more than anyone. And I want to thank mm-hmm. you all for your continued support. And I pray that this would reach someone, help someone, if nothing else, to encourage someone to stand fast and to be mm-hmm. steadfast in the faith. Uh, that's Amen. what we're hoping to, to accomplish mm-hmm. in this. So thank you both. Thank you, listener, for being with us. Please take the time, if you like today's episode, to like and subscribe. If you have questions, please send them to calvinistpodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to leave a comment, please do so if you're on Facebook or YouTube. Thank you for listening to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you. Oh,